Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. This is episode number 44. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Jonathan. First off, let us begin by recognizing and appreciating all of our new and consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. So, we're going to go to the man himself and see if he has anything special in store for us today. What's up, Daniel? It's just a nice Sunday evening. Very chill night. Everything's going well. How are you? I'm good. Had a great day yesterday with you. Sure did. Yeah, so trip out to Jersey for all of those who don't know. Yep, went out to support our brother, and after that we went to the movies and had some dinner. My friend Jen came along as well. Pretty good stuff yesterday. That was a nice chill, relaxing evening until we went home and saw a bunch of Dodge Vipers on the road, or not Dodge Vipers, it was the Challengers. Yep, blocking, blocking the. Blocking the street for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Appeared to be some speed racing going on. I always wondered about those people. If they have jobs and obligations outside of that. Or is that the thrill of their night? Or even their week? I mean, I would think so. Like, maybe they make all their money betting on who's going to win the race. Or whatever the case may be. Seeing how they had the cops even blocked off so they couldn't even. Couldn't do anything with that. Uh, and, you know, New York City nightlife, so quite possible. Maybe quite, very quite plausible, I should say. Not possible. Yeah, it was an interesting sight to see. So, happens. Yeah, so, very good day yesterday. Weather, it's a bit chilly, but that's typical. You know, we're supposed to be in spring, but sort of getting these every now and then ups and downs of this weather and it's a bit bipolar but you know taking it one day at a time hopefully we get to see the fruits of spring and most likely definitely more rain so well I hope it's my favorite season because of the rainy season but especially in New York a lot of thunderstorms and just rain in general so I'm sure that's that has to be coming along, but outside of that, uh, what do you have in store for us today, sir? That's a good question. Well, we are going to build upon a conversation we had on episode three, which was such a long time ago, right? When we first got started, actually. You know, we were in the first John series, by the way. Considering how long ago it was and then we've been building upon these principles all the way 43 weeks later right yeah that ought to be um an interesting thing it sounds intriguing so shall we get into prayer yeah of course you know that's a must these days all right heavenly father in the name of jesus if there's anything i know it is you're the same yesterday today and forever and you know something else What makes the Bible, which is your word, so amazing is it can overlap sometimes. 
by being repetitive. But as human beings, we forget all the time. Sometimes. So I believe there's nothing wrong with reminders. Another thing about your word is that it's public revelation. It holds and provides messages, warnings, insights that are hitting. And yet at other times, you know, your word can be very straightforward. Your word can indeed be harsh and at other times gentle and comforting when we need it the most. Your word can convict us one minute, but also at the same time confirm the things we like or even dislike. One declaration that is clear is that it's the truth. Not anyone's truth, but the truth. Therefore, Lord, as we get into your word today, humble us, remind us of our flaws, tear us down, but also build us back up, feed us, restore us, strengthen us, love us, shield us, guide us, teach us. And we say this all in agreement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, this is... An episode that is called How Do You Carry Yourself? Part 2. Okay. When I first introduced this topic, it was in the First John series, and we took a look at First John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Daniel, could you reread that, please? This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us all from all sin. Very good. Right? So when we first looked at this text, the focus was on the understanding of light and darkness, right? We established that God embodies light, something that is hard to ignore and happens to be located all around us. That's God's presence. And it's so amazing because it stands out and there is nothing that can overtake it, not even a darkness. If we go to the beginning of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we look at Verse 1 through 4, it tells us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was light, and the life was the light of men. Now, here's the key verse in regards to light. And let us look at this verse in several translations to really focus on the provided point. God wants us to know about his power, but more importantly, his essence. Let's continue to verse five. And we're going to look at this in the English Standard Version. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now let's look at this in the New Living Translation. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Very good. Let's look at this in the New King James Version. 
and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's look at this in the Amplified Version. The light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it, or overpower it, or appropriate it, or absorb it, and is unreceptive to it. Lastly, the Message Bible. The life of light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. Okay, very nice. Now, is this is important why looking at several translations are essential to our learning. Because when you look at the different translations, you see how one translation appropriates a different aspect about how powerful the light was, right? Whether it's hard to distinguish it, comprehend it, understand it, put it out. It's really amazing when you look at these things, right? Overcome it. It's pretty, this is some, you know, me being maybe a nerd type. This is pretty interesting, right? Now, here's how the first John text will build upon our conversation today, right? The rest of the verses is informing us about who God is. And so is the verse we looked at in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 5, right? We learned. In episode three, that how we carry ourselves matter, because if we claim to be in association with God, if we say we are in fellowship with God, if we declare we are in relationship with God, our behavior and our mannerisms must reflect that. People all over are watching us, right? Our families, our friends, strangers, you guess it. People are looking, right? Now, that's one aspect of it and we talked about it from a large spectrum perspective right as a whole another term will be from a outer circle point of view right what do i mean by that well as believers we all we are all part of one family technically one body right we are all supposed to be ambassadors for christ right that's abundantly clear that's what we are. We are representatives of Christ. Paul says we shall all be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, which happens daily worldwide. And this is happening. Why? Because technology has made that possible. Right. Some have viewed. The gospel and the understanding about the gospel and its growth and technology has grown to the point that it's exceeding beyond the possibilities of maybe how a lot of us possibly perceived it right another thing is some people think that technology is in favor of the enemy but god has also used it to bring about his glory as well right we can't just look at it in a negative sense we also have to see how is god operating and moving in this space right we can't underestimate god's ability to bring about good out of the evil because he's god that's what he does right so think of the benefits now that believers have the relationships the partnerships right when it has to do with the similar aspirations that we share in order to bring the glory of god right the funds for the means of support the discussions right the acts of communicating with each other to allow god's message to grow the gospel 
right? We can pray for each other in different sectors, whether that be in the highs or the lows of public spaces or even private institutions, right? When you really sit down and think about it, look at, look at how much we have done for ourselves through providing the gospel message. Now, understand this point, please. Realistically, most of these spaces are really out of circle experiences, okay? Meaning we don't know each other as of yet. We just know that we have one thing in common, our faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe even our theology. Okay. So today, today, this is what I want to do. Today, I want to focus on the inner circle, the people we impact and affect daily. Right. That's what our focus is going to be on. Right. You follow me now? I hope so. Of course, you know, our prayers matter. But on a personal level, our relationships are limited. Right. We can care for those out of circle relationships. But change and our impact has to start with your inner circle relationships that require more attention. Okay, so let's go to our text for today. And that is the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at chapter 17. We're going to look at this in the NLT. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Take it away, Daniel. One day. Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. All right. Great job, Daniel. So we're going to look at verses one through four. And, you know, verses one through four can get real deep. I mean, real deep. So let me do the honors and kind of show you that. So let's look at verse well, before we do that. OK. Your inner circle relationships and how you impact that. You want to speak a little bit more about that so we can link it back to the verse? So what does the inner circle relationship look like? Like define The inner circle relationships are those that pay close attention to a lot of things you do daily. Family, for example. Your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your best friends, people that you are acquainted with on a regular basis maybe even people at your work you know you sort of have a scheduled around seeing these people a bit more frequently than everybody else it's you know the things that you do sort of rub off on them and the communication is constant because it's constant they are considered people that you run into all the time to the point where it's sort of set up in this framework where you say that because I'm talking to you so frequently a phone call or a text message means you know the meaning of it is less important than say someone you used to speak with and you get a phone call or there's a reach out or there's some form of communication where it means a bit more because more than likely because of how preoccupied you are that form of communication 
only can occur under the confines of the way that you're communicating, whether that's text messaging, whether that's a message from messenger on Facebook, Instagram, those things are limited because of how occupied you are during the week with everything else that has to, you know, transpire your responsibilities, your obligations, et cetera, et cetera. So does that make sense? Sure. It does. Okay. So, so continuing on, say that again. Continuing on. Okay. So I'm going to show you how deep these things can get. Right. And then I have a story that can tie it all in. So let's look at verse one. And what's it say, Daniel? Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? Yeah, so I believe we all have been there and have also experienced temptations in regards to sin, right? The only person who hasn't sinned in those circumstances or under those circumstances would be Jesus Christ. So let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 in the English Standard Version. And this is what it tells us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So and there you go. There you have it. That's a very important verse. Now, keep going and read verse 16 as well. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There you go. Now, let's look at the same text, but we're going to look at this in the message Bible as well. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He has been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy except the help that's beautiful again see the purpose of check you know checking out different translations because this kind of sets it in motion that we have things that we struggle with and yet when we look over the course of different religions what makes you know having our faith and trust in christ and us being believers is we get to really see that there is someone who's been there and has done it. So he's not one of those people that are providing you advice and telling you what you ought to do and has never been through it. That's what makes this thing so personal and so dear to my heart is because it, it gives me an understanding that everything I'm dealing with now personally as I go to the day-to-day -day activities, I was never in this alone. As a matter of fact, there's other believers out there that share the same sentiment that I have. And what it does is this actually encourages you and motivates you, gives you a fresh sense of energy to press forward in spite of your flaws. Because you understand at the end of the day, over time, right, time is where you gain the experience and you grow from the past 
maybe traumas or even circumstances that you've had that maybe you wouldn't respond, be it that you have more of the wisdom and knowledge now, you're actually responding better. You're actually doing much better than you used to. I guess the purpose is never to be repetitive in the behavior, but to learn from the past situations and, you know, approach things differently. And I think this is important and vital that when we read our scriptures, this is this is what you see here. Right. Those that have haven't read this text. Would, you know, side with the idea that God don't know what we're going through. He sure does through the person of Jesus Christ. He does. And this is this is just a prime example of how the text is very supportive and clarifies your misunderstanding about the empathy that God has for the issues and troubles that we have on our personal levels. Right. Anything you want to add here, Daniel? It's good to know that we have an example that we can follow, because anytime anybody is a practitioner of something and not a person who just does things we understand where the bar is and how the standard has been set and we know it's plausible now like um it's a pretty interesting thing that i read a long time ago that um most people didn't think that you can do what was in a mile in under under four minutes hmm. but as soon as one person was able to do it all of a sudden you've seen a lot of people um around the world who was able to start cracking the same under four minute mile time so it's a very plausible thing that can happen or be done but sometimes knowing that somebody was able to do it before you unlocks the possibility in your mind that it is possible to live or achieve the same standard so uh-huh. or even look at one of the mature and top athletes that ever existed kobe bryant it was kobe bryant who learned from kobe in so many Others that were great. So rather than be arrogant and full of themselves, he actually went to those players and asked them, well, how'd you do this? How'd you handle this? And then he morphed their philosophy and their mindset. And I think that's what turned him into having what mama's mentality, right? Being able to pull from those resources, understanding that they've been through it, probably do a harder time when it came to like fouling, and taking punishment to get to the paint, you know, understanding and and taking in some of Michael Jordan's game in terms of fadeaways and everything else to still be able to execute on the court on the court on a high level. This is what it is. It's about learning, applying and being smarter than you were getting better, you know, every season. And that's what he did. And that's what allowed him to reach higher heights is learning from the master and incorporating what you learn from the master to to your life. And I think that's the important thing that we do in regards to reading the scriptures. They were re- they were written and left for our learning and it's our job to allow it not just to instruct us or guide us but to keep us and to shield us and to you know to protect us and to point us in direction so we don't have deja vu moments and we don't have moments where we're constantly making the same mistake over and over again. You know, we got to know the gift that we have and utilize it. You know, unless it be there for nothing, then who's for, you know, who's fault is that? It's not, you know, 
anyone else's withdrawal. Now, back to the text. Now, interesting enough, the next statement is where things get interesting, right? It says, but what sorrow? Now, in other translations, you have the word woe. And the next statement is, awaits the person who does the tempting. Now, we are looking at a person, which could be you, right? Your friend, your family member, so on and so forth, who plays a role in the temptation. Now, let's look at verse 2. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. Okay, so we're going to camp out here for a second and let's revisit the title topic, right? How you carry yourself matters. You see, there's a verse in the book of James chapter 3, verse 1 that says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I bring this verse up because this is a message from James to those who strive to be the mouth of God. Now, all of us can't be the mouth of God, even though at times, sure, God can use us to relate a message. But therein lies a warning even to the elect that God chooses and to those who share the gospel, which is we are all encouraged to do, right? All of us as believers are encouraged to share the gospel. So we sort of fall into this category. Now let's address the inner circle people, right? Something I was telling Daniel, your family, your friends, your partners, right? We have a responsibility to behave. Like children of the light. Right. If we stray away from that. We have the possibility. To impact those who look at us. So let me give you an example of a story. Me and Daniel are only two. Of the four brothers that we have. We have Adrian. And we have Jordan. Adrian is the oldest. I'm the second oldest. Daniel's the third. And then Jordan is the youngest of all of us. And one thing that has transpired is we all at one moment played. We all at one moment shared a lot of great memories, right? Incorporating our life. Now, this particular story I'm about to share, I want you to see the impact that it can have. So. As young kids, one of the things that transpired is when it came to daddy, he used to keep a jar full of coins. Not just that. My mom used to buy a lot of things in boats. And what would transpire is they would hide those things. Right. So me being the second oldest, I would I would find it. I would know where it is. and. Me being a person who every now and then, you know, I would get, I would have a desire to want some iced tea. I would go and I would go get some. Now, unfortunately, we were banned from doing that. But, you know, me being temperament, me understanding, you know, if I can go get some, 
without my brothers knowing, I'll be okay. But then I have my youngest brother, Jordan. And the youngest brother, Jordan, will, of you know, every now and then catch me doing certain things and will pick up on it. Now, me not thinking ahead, I didn't consider the possibility to be like, hey, you can't grab this every time, right? Because if you grab it every time, the person who's storing these things up, obviously, eventually, they're going to find out. They're going to know, right? But, of course, he didn't adhere to the warning that I gave him, right? So, what tend to transpire is I would go get iced tea every now and then, but then he would do it excessively. And what that grown to, to the point is that when our mom would go find out, it would be pretty much a wrap. Why? Because I took it every now and then. He took it excessively. And then it was at a point where it was obvious It was obvious that she knew somebody was in the iced tea. Same thing with my dad with the quarters. He would take the chains and I've, I've sort of taken up the same thing and I've done it. Where you collect quarters and dimes every, I guess every time you go to the store and you get change, you put it in a jar, put it in a jar. And every now and then, you know, if I wanted an ICU, I wanted a bag of chips, I would go get it. Jordan catches me, go and get it. And what he would do is he would take out more and more and more to the point that it was noticeable. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that me going and introducing the idea of taking these things laid the foundation and a behavior where he picked up on it. And even though I did it periodically, he did it extensively. And that extensiveness is what created a behavior. And what created the behavior impacted his idea that then he could then take up things whenever he wanted it, right? And I'm saying that this is the impact that we have that even though you or anyone out there does something, you're underestimating the younger people, the people underneath you, the people that are watching you, and they're picking up on some of your bad habits, whether it's talking back, whether it's cussing. You know, there's a numerous amount of things out there that we all participate in. And if we're not careful, People that are under us are watching. And not only are they watching, they don't understand that the behavior is very detrimental to their character. Instead, they see it as an opportunity in which they can take full advantage of, but they don't see the damage it does. And that's sort of what bad behavior is. We see it. It's a learned behavior. We pick up on it. We utilize it. And then we, don't, we ask questions later. Like those sorts of things never get addressed. And the reason why they never get addressed is because we don't think they should be addressed. And when we learned it, the negative condemnation attached to it, we never speak about it. So what do you think of the story, Dane? Would you happen to agree about what I'm saying? The reason why people say, be careful who you surround yourself with. And why it's important to have mentors and uh, people who can teach you certain things because human beings are like sponges. We pick up on the things that 
are surrounding us. And either you can pick up on good habits or you can pick up on bad habits. And those things are going to play a key. Um, how do I say it? It's going to have an, a major impact in how you do things. Even if you do things differently, it can impact you to either never do things again or it can impact you to put your own twist on something that is negative and make it even worse. Or you can take it and modify it to become a more efficient version of whatever was done, being done uh, previously. So, mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Yeah, so this is the inner circle stuff that I'm talking about. Now, obviously, in the example of the scriptures, it's talking about, you know, it's better to tie, um, you know, a milestone around your neck than to tempt one of these young ones. because. When looking at that script, <laughs> looking at that verse in its context, it's saying that some of the bad habits, right? And we don't need to go there, but some of the bad habits that adults put on little kids can pretty much damage them, right? It can ruin the way that they see life entirely. And Jesus is saying here that the amount of sorrow that you can create, right, by leading a young mind astray is very detrimental and what he's saying is is that because it's so detrimental and this is the reason why temptation is such a negative condemnation and how it's attached to the way that we apply it is because this is what creates a generation of bad behavior right and if you look for the specifics of that look in the book of Judges, look in the book of first and second kings. Is one behavior that gets picked up that causes a whole generation of people to sin ridiculously. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to poison the minds of young of the youth because they're still learning. And because you are an example setter and whatever people are around you, you don't want to give them a reason to then follow in the footsteps of your bad behavior. Because then you're going to be, you're going to be full of sorrow, especially if you care about that person, right? You're going to be full of sorrow because you would have, you would have trend starter. And because you were the trend starter, of course, they don't know what they're doing is wrong. Right. Until they realize that there's consequences to the things that they're doing. So, I just wanted to, you know, share that story because over time I realized that I was in the wrong. Now, mind you, I'm young and so is he. But because I did the wrong thing, he's learning from me, right? Entirely. And because he's learning from me entirely, he's picking up things that I probably should have never introduced him to. And that was something that I reflect upon. I looked back and I said, man, I was wrong for that. Now, imagine you being an adult and you set in the trend of bad behavior and you have little kids and people in your family, again, family, friends, and they're watching you. And I and I pay attention to the same thing with our parents, whether they were cursing or whatever it could be. Right. And I'm not saying that they've done it, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to see the negative behavior, pick up on it, and then start reusing it and then justifying it by saying, this is where you learned it from. It's no excuse, right? 
It's no excuse at all. So let's go to verse 3 to 5, which is simple. Daniel? If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Yeah, so forgiveness is a no-brainer. Why? Because, you know, I want you to remember all the things you do that are wrong and what you ask God to forgive you for. The things about those things is that, you know, the thing about those things is that when you were saved and unsaved, it could have been a large amount to potentially a limited amount of people that have done those things, right? And I know this is not easy. This is not an easy ask, right? But a hard, but the hard thing to do is to ignore it, right? And I don't want you to ignore it. But instead, I want us to do our best. And as we move forward in the direction of living out the truth, and we live, move forward in the direction of trying to be much more you know, thoughtful in the way that we carry ourselves, we have to look at things with a big picture point of view. And part of doing that is being mindful that the trends that you start, you're responsible for them. And the people that pick them up, you're responsible for them. And what you don't want people to do is say that they learned anything from you that was bad. And if you've done something, then it's your responsibility to destroy that seed. Don't let it grow and blossom into something. Instead, it's your responsibility to get it handled and address it. Right. So that's what I have for you today. You know, it's important. There's a text that I think maybe we can also check out and I'm going to do the honest and it's the last chapter in the book of James right and this is what he tells us I believe it's James chapter 5 okay so I'm going to read from chapter 5 verse 13 is anyone among you in trouble let them pray is anyone happy let them sing songs of praise. If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgetting. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if, if, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this whoever turns a sinner, from the error of their waves will be saved 
and they will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So that's the book of James, chapter 5, verse 13 through 20. Now, let's move to devotional time. It's a stunning list, and I commend you, and I commend to you. This is in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 16 in the NIV version. It's a stunning list. At the end of his letter to the Romans, Paul takes time to greet, commend, and express gratitude to 25 individuals, and in some cases, their congregations. They were of great value to Paul's ministry. His accomplishments wouldn't have been possible without them. It isn't just more difficult to make this journey alone. It's impossible. You need allies who will walk the road with you. You'll need help along the way. Paul's allies were his benefactors, his co-workers, and his friends. He even mentions that Rufus, mom, has been a mother to him. Also, each of these people supported and encouraged him on the way. Together, they provided a network of material, emotional, and spiritual support. You may as well call them a network of faithful friends. When Paul suffered, they comforted him. When Paul was discouraged, they encouraged him. Paul accomplished great things and reached great heights standing on their shoulders. You need to build this kind of network and work at keeping these relationships strong. You simply can't go at it alone. So Lord, please help me to be a good friend to my friends, to support, encourage, and invest time in them as well. As I wish them to do the same for me. Let me be a positive influence to those who meet me, encounter me, and most importantly, let them learn about you through me. In your holy name we say, Amen. Amen.